Where's that theme song at? Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dr. Chacho. And I'm not a doctor, but I am Science AF. Let's get that thing on there. Oh, there we go. Cartoon Dr. Chacho slash not a doctor. Uh, in case you were wondering if I was lying. This is uh, Science AF is a podcast, uh, audio podcast that can be found on, um, you know, the stuff. Twitcher. St- it's Twitcher. Stitcher, Apple Podcast app, Blitcher, Flipper, Plipler, all of the podcast apps. And it's also now a live stream on uh, Twitcher, Twitch, live stream on Twitch. Check it out. Uh, Let's see some other stuff. Uh, I have a tip jar. If you go to gravyday.com. Uh, Science AF is brought to you by Gravy Day Productions. Uh, we have a website, gravyday.com. There's a tip jar on that website now, gravyday.com, slash tip, slash chacho, and you can just throw me a buck. Or uh, if you have several million, throw me one of the millions. Uh, you won't even notice, I promise. What else do we have? Uh, look at all this stuff. If you're watching the video, you can see I just put a bunch of text over my face. www.gravyday.com. You don't need the www. I don't even know why I put it in. Venmo. You can Venmo us at Gravy Day. Send a little loose change our way. And we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Gravy Day. And, you know, that's if you, you really want to be a superhero and support the animated streaming arts go to patreon where we will be publishing all of the full live streams um we also have a youtube there's no real youtube uh uh, uh, shortcut yet because we don't have enough uh, uh views or videos up we just started it uh so the the shorts the individual segments that we're gonna do on science af will be on the youtube under Science AF Shorts, and the full live stream episodes are only available to the Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash gravyday. And we also have an Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash gravyday, where I sell inventions that I invented and printed on a 3D printer. Okay, what else am I supposed to say? Science AF, what is it? It's the OMG, WTF, and LMFAOASMP of science. And yes, I do have to read that every time off of the marquee in front of me. Why is the text going off the side of the live stream, you say? Good question. Because... I don't have an assistant. Okay, what are we going to talk about today? Let's see. We're going to do some uh, biology under BioMG, and we're going to talk about chocolate. Cacao growers uh, having problems with pollination. We're going to go to Climate with me and talk uh, a little good news on the climate for once. Uh, The Great Green Wall in Africa has been underway for a while now. It had a slow start, but it's getting more funding. Uh, We're going to talk about under eye on science, how researchers have levitated a small little disc using light. Uh, We're going to talk about Space Madness and the Perseverance rover, which is on its way to Mars, and it's it's scheduled to land there in four days. Hopefully it makes it. Um, And that's about it. Um, 
let's see. I'm going to do a quick fix on my my OBS setup. There we go. I just wanted to get my animated uh, little guy on this scene. Okay, but before any of that, let's talk about the virus. Our first segment is Gone Viral, and today we're going to talk about um, uh, uh, the vaccine. Here's a question. Should you mix and match vaccines? Well, this from sciencemag.org. Uh, you could read all this, but the short answer is no. Don't mix the vaccines unless you really need to. Maybe. Uh, it probably won't hurt. Some people are saying, can I take one shot? of the Pfizer and then one shot of the Moderna instead of taking two shots. You're supposed to take two shots of the same one. That's because they don't work exactly the same. Uh, uh, taking two different shots is not the same as taking, as, as, as getting a whole vaccine regimen. Getting a whole regimen means taking both shots from the same place. Um, if you took two different shots, like I can't imagine why if it was an emergency probably won't hurt you it's like taking two half shots um but it doesn't add up to full inoculation uh each shot gives you you know like the first one gives you maybe like 60 percent uh resistance pretty good uh, it, 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 nothing to uh to uh, uh write home about the second shot gets you up near like in the 90s percent inoculation as that's where you want to be and you want to take the same shot because it's uh they worked you know with itself it's because they're two different things if you take two different shots okay now uh we're not gonna i don't know how far we're gonna get into uh anti-vaxxers but okay the story is going around and people die short answer is no one has died from the vaccine uh the only side effects have been uh, minor allergies uh some itching stuff a few people have died after taking the vaccine this guy in florida gregory michael died soon after taking the vaccine and there was a guy in uh okay let's look at each case um he uh, uh, he basically had an undiagnosed blood disease, and it seems to be uh, uh, there's no causality. Uh, he seemed to have it's it's a coincidence that he died from a blood disease soon after taking the vaccine. Um, let's look at this other. A few people have died of COVID after taking the vaccine. Well, it's not 100% effective. It's very effective, though, so you should take it. Um, this guy in, uh, who is this guy, Zook, uh, uh, it was a 60-year-old x-ray technologist in Santa Ana. He died a few days after getting the vaccine. Uh, was not related it was uh there were suspicions of covid and a diagnosis of congestive heart failure and he died um so that can be scary even though millions of people now have gotten the vaccine uh nobody has died from it this is important if you have friends who are spreading misinformation look into it fact check them and uh push back on anti-vaxism it's not just stupid it's harmful to society um here's one from i don't know what dw.com is uh, i can't vouch for them but uh they go on to say uh there 
Here's a quote. If elderly or people with severe pre-existing conditions are vaccinated, there'll be a certain number of accidental deaths that occur shortly after vaccination. That's the gist of it. And I went ahead and I looked up um, uh, 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 here's from TwinCities.com in Minnesota. Uh, Statistics tells us that thousands of Minnesotans will die after getting the vaccine, but not because of it. Why? Well, because people die every day. And statistically, if you're going to give everyone in the world this vaccine, which we're trying to do, people are going to die after it. That's just what happens. Uh, In fact, we're giving the vaccine right now to older people and people with uh, 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 conditions. So those people are more likely to just randomly keel over. None of it. And I stress, nobody has died from the vaccine, nor has anyone died from any vaccine that has been uh, approved for use in the United States. And I just, just uh, one more thing. I went up to, the, to, to look this up in case you're wondering how many people die in the world per second. And uh, I found a few different answers, but uh, they all seem to say an average of two people die every second in the planet there goes two more there goes two more there goes two more i'm sorry to say that there were people dying as we speak on the positive side about four people are born each second so there's four babies and there's four babies um, here's some more info in this page. Uh, on average, more than 160,000 people die every day. Every 102 seconds, someone dies in a war. It says the war. I don't know what that means. Every 61 seconds, someone dies, uh, gets murdered. Every 39 seconds, someone commits suicide. So we've had a few suicides since this stream started, but not because of it, as far as we know. Every 26 seconds, someone dies in a car accident. Every three seconds, someone dies of hunger. That's sad. Every three seconds, a child under five dies. Okay. Uh, Don't think of that and count to three. That's where we are with the virus. It's helping, by the way. Um, The curves are going down. People are getting inoculated. Uh, You know, stay in line. And when when your chance comes... I say, take it. I'm going to hop on that fucking needle and get me some virus uh, protection as soon as I'm offered it. Okay, next segment by OMG, our biology segment. Uh, Cacao growers bugging out of the chocolate supply. Uh, What's cacao, you ask? You probably know that it's chocolate. These big yellow footballs in this picture are future Reese's Pieces. Um, that's what they look like in the wild. These pods, which I said, as I said, are about the size of a football, uh, an American football, for those of you not in America. Uh, it's maybe the size of a squash soccer ball. Uh Cacao production is down, and it's due to um, problems with pollination. Um, this is a story in Pop Sci, Popular Science, uh, by a guy who says, I'm a passionate chocolate lover and entomologist, Dwayne Shoemaker. And they're seeing, uh, they're seeing less pollination in cacao plants. And uh, it might be due to uh, uh, insect populations collapsing. Um, Cacao is interesting because, uh, let's see, only around 10% of the flowers are pollinated. So there's these big trees. uh, I believe these are mainly in South America. I'm not sure which country. Uh, They're covered in in flowers but up to 90 percent never get pollinated and don't 
create fruit. So, um, let's see. Here's another few problems with cacao trees. They're not, they're self incompatible. So, they're covered with flowers. Each flower has a male part and a female part, uh, a pollen uh, uh, creating part and a pollen receiving part, but they can't fuck themselves. Um, a, a tree, a cacao tree, must be near another cacao tree, and something has to bring the pollen from one of those trees to the other, and vice versa. Um, and not only that, the the uh, uh, the flowers are really small. Uh, I don't want to show this midge again, but the, here's a picture of a, a biting midge. Uh, and they have to be small to get in these little uh, little flowers. Um, here, this video is really cool. Uh, it's called cocoa hand pollination. And as you can see here, um, tons of flowers. Uh, and these people are hand pollinating the flowers. And they found out that if you hand pollinate, uh oh, it looks like we got a commercial coming. If humans hand pollinate the flowers, you get a lot more. Uh, uh, pollinated fruit and it's a painstaking process I mean these people are really getting in there with tweezers but look at this tree there's a picture of uh, a chocolate tree just covered in pods so normally you wouldn't see that many on a tree but these uh, farmers are hand pollinating these plants and they get tons of uh, Yummy chocolate kisses growing all over the plant. Um, so that's one. Uh, uh, let's see. That's uh, one way to combat the lack of uh, midges that are pollinating. Um, let's see. Midges only represent 2% of all insect visitors to wild trees, other flies, and tiny wasps. So there's lots of little things that do it. I'm not sure why. Uh, pollination is down. Um, uh, they are sure that if you plant a Hershey's Kiss, it doesn't turn into a Hershey's Kiss tree. Uh, we need the cacao trees. Uh, I talked about this in a recent episode, but tiny robotic bees that pollinate plants could be the answer. Capable robot. Uh, you have a bunch of not very good robots. The idea. Here's one that I found on YouTube. There's a few. Uh, uh, researchers out there. We showed a different one that was more drone-like uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this one is like a little uh, a tiny flowering, uh, little yeah, flapping butterfly. Is greater than the sum of the parts. And all of this work is aimed at. Um, this is a video from National Geographic on YouTube. You can see more. There are possibly. Uh, going to be uh, robotic little bugs slash bees flying around and this might help a pollination and help the world's food supply uh, uh, the, it, 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 we just have to watch out for or at least don't rewatch Black Mirror Hated in the Nation the robotic bees one because it's Effing terrifying. Okay, that's probably not going to happen. Um, get Black Mirror out of your head. It's fun to watch, but probably you won't be murdered by robotic bees. Probably. Robotic dogs? Maybe. Our next segment. Uh, excuse me. Climate with me. Too much? I'm trying to... I'm really trying to, to come up with the best uh, 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 climate pun for this segment. And, and I'll keep working on it. Climate with me. Uh, a little good news this week. We always cover bad news in the climate. But 
the Great Green Wall could save Africa. Um, this is a really cool project. It's been going on since 2007, and it's a, 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 a shared sort of effort by the African Union, which is a bunch of African countries. And um, it says here that they have struggled to make headway. Okay, they've been around for 13, 14 years-ish. Uh, it's a lot of local efforts across 11 countries. And what they're doing, like it sounds, the Great Green Wall, is they're trying to uh, plant uh, trees all the way across Africa from one side to the other uh, on, the, on the south, so, sort of the south uh, side, on the south side of the Saharan Desert. On the border, sort of the southern border of the Saharan Desert, uh, is the Great Green Wall. You can see the picture if you're watching the video. The, uh, let's see, the, in 2007, the African Union proposed planting a mosaic of trees, shrubs, and grasses along an 8,000-kilometer-long corridor across the continent by 2030. They have made modest headway, but they're not there yet. Um, I mean, they've, it says here that they have just reached 16%. I guess that's less than they wanted, but 16% of a 30-year goal is not bad. Uh, what is it actually? A 23-year goal is not bad. We're a little over the halfway point in time, and they're not halfway in uh, effort yet. But the uh, here's the story. They just got a major boost, uh, a pledge of $14 billion in funding over the next five years from a coalition of international development banks and governments. Hey, banks and governments doing good things for the world? Imagine that. What kind of a world would we live in if banks and governments did good things all the time? Uh, okay, the money's meant to accelerate the effort to sustain livelihood, conserve biodiversity, combat desertification, and climate change. Uh, French President Emmanuel Macron said, um, I don't know why he's speaking for all of these international banks and governments. I guess maybe uh, the French were instrumental in putting that agreement together. Um, so what, what do we got? I thought there was a, a nice picture of, uh, well, there's, there's a picture of a small grove of trees that's being planted. Um, Basically, there's small, a lot of small community efforts are along this corridor are uh, slowly putting trees and, you know, they need funding to do it. And funding is what they're starting to get. Uh, this is, is important because the Sahara is growing. Um, we're, the, the, the idea is to stop the desertification. And if you're wondering... Did humans create the Sahara Desert? Uh, yes, it's from a couple years ago, but yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, new research uh, uh, challenges the idea that changes in the Earth's orbit triggered Sahara desertification. Um, it's pretty much they're finding that uh, human populations 10,000 years ago, uh, sort of through deforestation and through climate change and through farming, ruined the land and turned it into sand um and much of the middle east this happened too uh why is this a, a a warning sign it's a warning sign because humans have lived in africa and uh, uh well africa the longest and the middle east the second longest and across asia the third longest and you have big deserts in the central center of uh, asia as well we are making a lot of formerly uh, 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 soil-rich places into deserts as we go through them. And it's not just, it doesn't just take 10,000 years. It's happening uh, around the world. Uh, from deforestation happens and farming. Of course, we need farming, but we need sustainable, responsible farming so that these deserts don't form. Um, we're, we're pretty sure the, uh, the, the research shows that humans made the Sahara Desert, or at least if, if it was a little bit of a desert 10,000 years ago, they made it way worse, and it's starting to grow. But the point is, 
we're we're all rooting for the green wall of Africa to uh, to stop this and maybe reverse uh, the desertification and they can be a lesson to all of us I mean these are basically Green New Deal projects they're big government uh, and privately in, uh, uh, funded projects they are society working together to solve problems which is what we need more of we need society to solve a lot of climate problems and uh, you know hopefully they are very successful in this effort our next topic our next segment is called Ion Science where we take a look at some hard science and maybe uh, try to learn a thing or two here's a story from Wired researchers levitated a small tray using nothing but light that is cool a magic carpet based on this light induced technology could carry climate sensors high in the atmosphere that is a little confusing but uh, we might see why that is actually possible um, this picture in Wired has nothing to do with the story it's just a floating orb for some reason uh, and the story doesn't have any floating orbs in it uh, it has floating um, a, a sort of um, I mean, I hate to tell you, but little little flying saucers are what it looks like they're, they're making here. Uh, these are, let's see, we're talking about Mozen Azadi, a uh, researcher in, at the University of Pennsylvania, um, and his lab mates huddled around a set of uh, vacuum changer. They stared at the lights. They would, uh, they made something levitate they made uh, uh, these uh, two centimeter they're sort of like little like half inch long little flying saucers and um, here's a picture there's a little gif of it on this wired uh, story you can find all these stories on our website scienceafpod.com and did you see that little flying saucer here it comes again it's levitating, levitating by light, Ooh, and it flies right past. Very cool. So what's happening here? Well, a lot of the stories are likening this to a solar sail. Um, it's not exactly a solar sail. It's not quite what's happening. Um, let's go to the drawing board for a second, and I'm going to try to draw a little bit of, of how of what's going on here. Um, a solar sail is a big shiny mirror or white sheet in space it's kind of a 3d thing and uh when you e either if there's a sun nearby there's a star or you could have a little spacecraft uh with a with a laser shooting a laser at it pew and what happens is the light Beams, the photons, the light itself, bing, bing, bounces off of the solar sail. Actually, light doesn't quite bounce. It sort of is absorbed and, and re-emitted. But there is a net momentum change. The momentum of the these little photons changes from this way to this way. And the conservation momentum says that that extra momentum goes right into the sail and shoots it along. And uh, excitingly, we've we've heard that we might be able to reach another star, not us personally, but we might send a probe that goes to another star. And uh, this is a probe. Bum, bum, um, there's a probe being shot by lasers and the sun towards another star and we could reach it within 20 years within a lifetime I might not be around in 20 years but you might uh, it's possible 
that we could see another solar system in our lifetimes with a solar sail. That's really cool. Love it. Great technology. But that's not what this story is about. This story is about a little tiny two centimeter hovering flying saucer powered by light. And the way this one works, it's got a couple layers. The top layer is a thin mylar. And that's sort of uh, just sort of uh, light neutral reflects light. Um, like the bottom reflects light, the top reflects light. You get no lift. It's it's a it's a draw. But what they've done is they've sprayed a bunch of carbon nanotubes, like little little furry bases, a beard of carbon, on the bottom of these little flying saucers. Okay, and this is the genius part. Carbon nanotubes are heated. They get hot. They, they heat up when light hits them. That's cool. The mylar on top doesn't heat up, so it stays neutral. Bing, bing, bing. Things are bouncing off. The nanotubes, however, when, when uh, uh, light hits it, the, the temperature goes up temperature here's a thermometer Boop. Uh, the temperature is going up because uh, 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 light is hitting the nanotubes on the bottom and it's not the light reflecting off it that's creating the lift it's little molecules of air here's little molecules of air they bounce off of it now air bounces off of you know the top and it heard bounces off of the bottom. That's also a net, uh, a net zero uh, lift effect. Unless the bottom is slightly warmer than the top. Then when these little molecules, here's a little H2O, pew, flying through the air, pew, and it hits the carbon nanotubes and it gets stuck for a second. And it heats up because the carbon nanotube is a little bit hotter than the air. And then, pew, it gets shot out a second later with more momentum than it started. The carbon nanotubes actually heat up the molecules that hit the bottom. And it shoots them off like a little gun, like a little uh, uh, air pop popcorn machine. It, so at the top, there's, there's air particles hitting and bouncing off. On the bottom, there's air particles hitting, getting stuck, and shooting off. And what does that do? That's extra momentum again. And boop, we have lift. Um, this is really cool. This is different than a solar sail. It's um, more like, where are we back? Let's go back to this thing. Um, it's it's more like a little uh, uh, a jet uh, shooting off the bottom of a uh, saucer. It's a flying saucer. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, maybe the aliens that the Navy has recorded are using this technology, or maybe that's just uh, humans who are not telling us that they have this technology. Um, so. Um, here's where it talks about the story talks about uh, the mylar on the top and then each nanotube a few atoms across uh, and about as long as a strand of hair wide so it's a little like almost microscopic little hairs of carbon on the bottom and, and an ambient gas after an ambient gas mileage from the air molecule from the air collides with a warm object it picks up a small amount of energy and bounces off faster than it arrived. So this is a little solar-powered jet that shoots down. Um, thermodynamics indicates that a hotter particle is a faster particle. It sure does. So, oh, here's a cool gif of uh, a little thing flying around on these lights. So the light is not lifting this. The light is heating it. And like a little solar heater and the air molecules 
are shooting off like a little jet on the bottom and th this is a side view of um, something flying around very cool so what are the uses for this well one idea is that they're thinking of putting these in the uh, ionosphere the mesosphere Uh, let them uh, the mesosphere like pressure so yeah they're, they're they're testing it in mesosphere like pressure mesosphere is one of the upper parts of our atmosphere um, where it's hard to fly things because uh, uh, you know airplane wings don't have enough purchase up there the air is really thin but we it, it's it's too low to have like uh, uh, orbiter satellites because they'll burn up so it's in between the air airplanes and jets can fly and it's and where outer space orbiters and satellites fly it's the in-between zone it's hard to fly stuff in that area we don't have a lot of science uh, uh, research in that area so these they're talking about little flying carpets that are solar powered that could just circle around flying around and who knows what they could do they could be spies or they could be solar collectors and send power back towards earth they could be used for good or for evil like all science let's see this is just another story same this is uh, eurekaalert.org levitating objects with light um, basically same story uh, oh this is uh, researchers at Caltech have designed a way to levitate and propel objects using only light using nanoscale patterning patterning on the object surfaces basically the same thing this is at Caltech the last one was in what Pennsylvania um, and oh here's just a Wikipedia article on radiation pressure this is what I was talking about with the solar sail the uh, incident momentum, the reflected momentum. Uh, this is a photon of light bouncing off of a flat reflector and the force momentum change, the force is equal to the momentum change. That's how a solar reflector works. There's a bunch of equations here if you want to do the math yourself. Um, oh, look at all these cool pictures of there's a Haleybot comet. Pillars of Creation Nebula. Okay, I don't know what the, all that has to do with what we're talking about. But that's it. Levitating, tiny, small, flying saucers. First step to large flying saucers. Our next topic. Space Madness. Space Madness! I had to take a sip of iced tea. Where is Perseverance? Okay. We are only four days away from Touchdown on Mars again. Um, of course, uh, uh, the U.S. has landed um, about four or five rovers on the Mars. We'll take a look in a second uh, at all of them. And this one shot off in 2019, I believe. Here is the live uh, uh, NASA page. It's 286,983,000, almost 984,000 miles away from Earth. Distance traveled. Um, distance is only 5 million miles to Mars. Speed. 48 miles per hour relative to the sun. That doesn't seem very fast. Anyway, 98% of the trip has been completed. Um, this is what the thing looks like. I saw this being built in JPL when I went to visit JPL in 2018 or 19. Um, when was it launched? It was launched in, oh, there, July 2020. That's not that long ago. Seems like a pretty quick uh, turnaround. 
It was launched in uh, last July, and it's going to land February 18th. I'm recording this on February 13th. If you are listening to this in the future, you already know uh, that they had an amazing, successful touchdown. And this also, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, the Mars helicopter is on this lander. This is going to be cool. So there's a lander. There's a there's like a there's like a rocket uh, powered uh, uh, drone that's going to drop the lander, and there's a helicopter that's going to take off. And we'll have the first helicopter on Mars, which is cool. Um, Ingenuity and a technology experiments preparing to attempt the first powered controlled flight on the red planet. So yeah, hel- this helicopter weighs four pounds. Uh, fuselage about the size of a tissue box. It's got uh, two sets of counter rotating propellers, big old uh, propellers because it has a very thin atmosphere and it has like a, a little, uh, sort of AI flying program because there's an 11 minute delay from here to Mars. Okay. And so nobody could fly this drone in real time. It has to fly itself. They tell it what to do. And then it has to figure out using its artificial intelligence where to go. Um, so here are key things to know about ingenuity. It's an experimental flight test. Uh, the, the, the Mars helicopter is what is known as a technology demonstration, a narrowly focused project that seems to test a new capability for the first time. They're covering their bases here <laughs> in case it doesn't work. Um, here, oh, these are cool. Uh, previous groundbreaking technology include the Mars rover Sojourner. That was the first one, I think, in the 90s. And the Mars Cube One satellites, CubeSats, that flew by Mars. Okay. The helicopter doesn't carry science instruments and isn't part of Perseverance's science mission. This is a separate thing. They, uh, it was kind of thrown on. It was sort of tacked on. The NASA convinced. Uh, Sometimes you have to do something just to show that you convinced Congress or the government to give them enough money to make this little helicopter and they promised so it's not going to fly too close to the rover because they don't want it to crash into the rover so as soon as the rover lands at some point the helicopter is going to take off and then sort of keep its distance from the rover from that point on it has to be fully autonomous from the time it takes off to the time it lands. What we do do on the ground is we plan the flights and so we determine from here where we want. First flight, the main thing is we want to get the legs off the ground and so we will basically go up uh, about three meters and we'll hover there uh, and then we'll come down again and that will be the first you know, really major milestone. Most of our flights will be at the three to five meter height. We will be going horizontally again at a few meters per second, probably go out, you know, 50, 70 meters and come back. In successive flights, we'll probably push that further, try to go further. So our priority. I mean, so that's it. It's it's not there to uh, measure the atmosphere. It's just there to fly around and see if it's possible. Okay, there's some more things in this uh, fact sheet that you can look at. This is from jpl.nasa.gov. Six things to know about NASA's Mars helicopter. Ingenuity uh, is smart for a small robot. Um, okay. Anyways, how many rovers are on Mars? Glad you asked. Uh, six rovers have been dispatched to Mars. Let's see. There's the Mars 2 landing failed. This was a Russian in the 70s. Mars 3 was lost when it stopped communicating 104 seconds after landing. Um, 
Sojourner was the first U.S. one and the first uh, successful rover. Uh, it went from July to September. Not very long, just a couple months in 1997. Then the Spirit and Opportunity rovers both went, landed at the same time, or, or they were both launched uh, in 2003 and landed in 2004, not on the same day. Um, Spirit, let's see, from 2004, uh, it died in 2010. Um total distance of 7.7 kilometers so in 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 six years it it drove six seven kilometers less than seven miles and uh i mean that was the first like kind of success and and the opportunity which was there at the same time uh went all the way until uh 2018 thing lasted 14 years driving around mars covered uh, 45 kilometers 28 miles uh and it lived until the 2018 mars dust storm you remember where you were when the 2018 dust storm covered the entire face of mars and we couldn't see anything on mars and everyone was like what is happening uh just one of those uh global dust storms nothing to worry about <clears throat> and then the curiosity which was let's see launched in 2011 uh, uh landed in 2012 and you might remember this was called the seven minutes of terror uh the thing had to land by itself um and it was very complicated maneuvered getting it out of uh uh, uh orbit and slowing it down and touching it down and as you probably know the curiosity is still going and it's been very it sent some really cool stuff back uh pictures and data and um so the seven minutes of terror is going to happen again uh on this new one in a couple of days and here's a little video that shows what's going to light up our rockets Wow. images of so the first, surface of Mars and determining where to go based on okay there's a parachute that deploys uh, it to slow it down and then it has imaging so it's going to look basically it's going to look at the surface hopefully there's no dust storm it's going to look at the surface find out where it is get its bearings okay uh, now this is going to land in a crater, by the way, which is even more hazardous. I'm just scrolling through this video. Um, and now, look look at this. And light up our rockets. From the first segment comes a flying... To a safe landing spot that's nearby. That descent stage uh, it, takes us all the way down to about 20 meters off Like a rocket sled that flies down to 20 meters above the ground. And then it lowers the rover on a... Cable sets it down and flies away. It's really just the beginning for Perseverance. Its job, right, being the first leg of sample return to go look for those signs of past life on Mars. All that can't start until we get Perseverance safely to the ground. So that's really cool. There's a bunch of stages, uh, including flying rocket skiff and uh, winch lowering the uh, a lander the the rover part and then the helicopter uh i don't even know somehow disengaging from that and finally i have this page bookmarked nasa's live mars persevere rover landing um i don't know what they're gonna show i guess they have they're gonna have some video of it landing uh this is happening um in four days 11 a.m. on February 18th. Um, that's next, uh, maybe Thursday-ish. Um, I set a reminder to myself to uh, for YouTube to tell me when this is going to happen. The the this uh, uh, 
YouTube site. Oh, I should subscribe to NASA. There we go. Uh, this YouTube page on NASA is ready to go in five days, in four days, to show video and probably a lot of uh, uh, audio of scientists talking about what they're saying. But again, the, they're there's an 11 minute communication delay from Mars to here. So this thing is going to be landing by itself. Basically, they're just going to be watching and see what happens. Um, very cool. Perseverance uh, uh, lander. Godspeed. We hope you land safely and can't wait for future helicopter rides all over the Mars surface. Do we have any other stories? No. That's it. That's our show. Science AF. This has been Science, Science AF. AF. I'm not ready for the song yet. That just sort of happened. This has been Science AF. I'm Dr. Chacho, and I'm not a doctor, uh, but you can uh, follow me at Dave Chacho. You can tip me uh, gravyday.com slash tip slash Chacho, and uh, we have all of these uh, 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 there's gravyday.com science AF is part of the gravy day network we have Venmo at gravy day we have patreon.com slash gravy day we have an Etsy shop etsy.com slash shop slash gravy day uh, anything you can spare to support this show and the other shows at gravyday.com would be much appreciated thank you for watching or listening um, that's the show. That's the science. The science is over. The show is coming to a close. And here is the closing song. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science is fuck. Bye.